Welcome to the Recruiter Startup Podcast. My name's Dulta Daherde, and in this podcast series, I will be speaking to investors, advisors, entrepreneurs, and recruiters who are based all over the world, and we will be discussing how to set up, scale, and operate a world-class recruitment company. Today's guest is Adam Bailey. Really excited to have him on the podcast because he is only in his first quarter as a business owner. So he has partnered with a friend of his from school um, who's doing the back end and finance for him and leaving him to be free to build the company he wants to build. So we jumped into all his planning and, you know, he's been in the industry for about 12 years. So I wanted to figure out all the stuff that he learned in that time that he wanted to take with him to set up Pro Data. And, and yeah, he was a great guest. And he's really passionate about what's going on in recruitment. He's opening his eyes to different ways of doing things. And 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 he's got a clear vision for the future. And and look, it's it's not been it's not been like a real easy decision for him to come out on his own. He is a father of three, a sole provider, and this was a major, major deal for him to go and and set up this company. It is all on the line and he is putting himself out there. So I hope you all enjoy this podcast. I certainly enjoyed interviewing him. Good morning, Adam. How are you? Yeah, very good. Yourself? Not too bad at all. I'm uh, I'm still working out of the home office here, which is proving a little challenging. Um, I'm, I think I'm on the home straight towards getting back into an office. I, I, this was an experiment that hasn't worked out. Yeah, I, I actually listened to a few of your podcasts last week, so I do know that you have two children, right? And you're in between offices. Yeah. Yeah, and, I have three, so I trump you. Um, oh, man. And yeah, so, so I have uh, six, four, and three. Um, Thomas, Callum and Megan and uh, once you're outnumbered um, you'll definitely need an office <laughs> just oh, to get away and get stuff done yeah I know it, do you know half of my thoughts are because we're in the south of England like I'm kind of in between Chichester Littlehampton and Worthing I, I, I'm in a village and I have to be honest none of those towns are that inspiring for me to go in and get an office and when I'm I'm not necessarily doing a tremendous amount of business there. Yeah. If I was in London, though, I, I think I think I'd be more excited to get in there and you know be around other founders and that. Or maybe maybe there are things happening down here that I don't know about. What what's your own circumstance? Do you do you have, do you work in a co office? Do you have your own office now? Or so so I've got my own office, which is a twenty minute walk or a ten minute drive from my house in St Albans, um, which works really well. Um, I do work from home occasionally. Um, when the kids are at school. Um, but I, what I find is that um, I get dragged in and drawn into lots of domestic chores, which is, is fair enough. But um, it's good to have that space just to get away yeah. and to, to crack on for a few hours. And I typically do 10 till 3 in the office every day. Um, but I have a sort of an always-on mentality. So um, I'll be speaking to people at 9, 10, 11 at night, first thing in the morning. And I think want to avoid work-life balance but it's it's sort of it's it's always working and 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 i think if you're if you're happier generally you know you you're you're a better recruiter yeah i made the 
I made the mistake. Well, I was actually, what I do is before I go to bed, I usually turn my emails off. Right. And just as I was turning it off, an email came in from a it wasn't client. For me, was it? <laughs> no, an email came in from a client in Australia saying, oh, you've done something wrong with representation here. It's going to another rec to rec. And I was like, oh, man. So then I had to kind of get on to my team and say, what, what happened here? And then I'm digging into this and it's, it's coming on 11 p.m. And I'm like, my head starts racing again. I'm going, no, this is the wrong way to start the week. Yeah, I get quite a lot of stuff done first thing in the morning. So whereas I used to wake up with the kids at 5 a.m., they sleep in a little bit more. But I'm, I'm still very much an early bird. And I think you can get quite a lot done between the hours of sort of five and nine. And that allows you to go and do other stuff, you know, take the kids to school, pick them up and then crack on back into it. What uh, what is it? What does that morning routine look like? From uh, from from like, do you get a workout in? Do you like what? What do you what do you well, kind of do? Occasionally, so yeah. So so it used to be a case I'd be at the gym every morning at five a.m. or I'd be doing running because I, I used to to be involved in sports, did a bit of boxing. Um, but now I'm I'm getting older, thirty eight years old, and I've obviously yeah. got this business. Do I really want to be getting up at five in the morning and and going running on the road? So um, generally, um, first thing in the morning I'll be up, um, coffee. Um, Baraka, obviously, and then um, straight into emails, getting some of the admin done, so mm. that when the world wakes up or when people get into work, um, I can start speaking to candidates and and, and clients. What? When did you start the boxing? Uh, I stopped recently, so I, I was actually going to do another one in March, um, but the, the the reality of the the level and the, the it's two or three hours a day if you want to if you want to compete. I mean, it was it was sort of. Uh. White collar, unlicensed level. So we're not talking about anything ABA or anything more than that. But you still need to be fit. Um, yeah. You're still getting punched, and it's still in front of five, six hundred people. So um, I realised uh, about a week ago. I thought, you know what? I don't really need to do this anymore. What I want to do is, is spend those hours either with family or, or in the business. How many? How many fights have you had? I had ten. I won. Seven. Oh right. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so it's not the it's not the white collar. Uh, for cancer research so, so that's what it started as so the first one was a charity event and i was like a, a rabbit in headlights completely underprepared in front of a thousand people in uh, camden and uh it was a it was a humbling experience um i then decided to go for another one which went pretty much the same way um so two two losses everybody saying that you, you maybe this isn't for you but then i, yeah. I decided just to, to get really fit and, and commit to it um and then i, I went on a on a winning streak from then oh good on you i I ask because my fight is coming up. Oh, right. I didn't realize. So, so this is your first one, is it? Yeah, it's my first one. And uh, I think I'm 10 years older than everybody. Um, okay. Which, which, you know, it's, it's okay. Um, so we've done it. We've, done, we've only started the sparring and we're five weeks away from the fight now. Okay. So it's, uh, yeah, it's daunting. It's daunting enough. Um, I haven't boxed before. So no, as long as you don't go mad and and just realize it's boxing, not not fighting, typically the people that lose are the people that will go mad. So you almost have to lose the first round to win the fight. So, really? so if that person's coming at you and, and is really putting everything into it, just sort of let them do that. Um, and with the with the belief and the hope that they tire out because if they don't. You're in for a long night. <laughs> That's yeah. my advice. I, I've done a I've, I've done a bit of martial arts before. OK. And uh and I think the, the instructor picked up on it. So he kind of has me fighting the tougher guys in the room already and the inspiring. <laughs> I'm like, 
Well, that'll like, help oh. you out. That'll help you out. But it's just, let's just hope you, that you don't sort of, you sort of step in with somebody. I'm sure you'll be fine. It'll be a great experience. You'll earn some good money. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's all very safe. You've got head guards and there's, there's paramedics there, which they won't need. So you'll, you'll be good. Uh, the, definitely, uh, definitely the sparring's pretty brutal though, eh? It is. Well, it's not a normal thing to get punched in the face, Dalta. Uh, <laughs> you have to sort of train yourself into that, but that's what the sparring's for. And um, typically when you have people who it's their first time, um, they will try to, you know, spar a bit harder than you should. And I yeah. feel guilty of that. But if you can find somebody that you get on with and you help each other as sparring partners, then that's how you're going to learn. Um, but listen, hopefully you'll, we'll be talking about this in a couple of years and you'll have 10, 10 fights and we can set something up. I think, I think this is my one and only. Yeah. Um, physically, so, so I don't mind the fighting, but like, that's fine. But my hamstring's gone already. My, my left my left hip kind of gave me a bit of bother. Oh, like I, I did an overhand left and cracked again, and I could feel my one of my fingers go. <laughs> and I thought, like, I'm just, I'm just too injury prone for this. Yeah, it's, it's not, it's not just the fighting; it's the training. The training yeah, is really, right? really um, stressful on your, on your back and your lower back because there's a lot of turning, um, yeah. and it's, it's, and your hands. Obviously, if you, if you can crack somebody, um, and you can get some injuries that that can, that can sort of damage you but it's, it's quite a stressful situation too because it's the build-up it's the it's the apprehension it's you yeah. don't want to lose and you're sort of being everybody else there but afterwards it's it's a really um it's a really big high so you, you'll love it yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to it so I've, I've stopped drinking um and i got a personal trainer ah, okay you're taking um, it seriously then well so i i lost all movement or lost like most movement in my left shoulder last year when i was doing jiu-jitsu Right. Some I was in America and some guy dropped me on my on, on my shoulder, and uh, and just wrecked it. And so I've I've had to really build up from scratch. So that's that's been kind of fun doing that. And and then just you know drinking's just not as much fun in your mid thirties as it was. No, it's harder to recover, right? And when we were younger. Yeah, and 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 obviously having if you have a hangover, if you're unfortunate enough to, then you don't get anything done. So yeah, no, I'm with yeah. you on that. So you spent the last few years getting fit. Um, yes. And uh, and and having children, um, you, you you recruitment's like a second career to you, right? Uh, I well, I'd, I'd say it's I I wouldn't call it a career. It's it's definitely a life, right? So so it, I wouldn't say it's so much a, of a second career. Um, I've been recruiting now for twelve years. Oh, you've um, been in for twelve years, aren't right? Yeah, yeah. So started started a long time ago. So so if you go go right back, I mean, I'm thirty thirty eight now. Um, I. Um, went to catering college and wanted to be a chef but realized there wasn't any money in it and um sort of at, at 18 sort of working in working in restaurants uh unsociable hours low pay it just didn't really sit right with me mm. um went into sales i actually started off doing door-to-door so this was before the internet really <laughs> this is how far back yeah. it was I mean, well, talking... what age are you now i'm 38 now Okay, um, you're just a few years older than me. Yeah, so so back in 1998, I mean, you didn't have voucher or voucher codes, which is how people get discounts now. Um, for example, there are other discount um, providers, obviously. But door to door, we were doing promotions for Perfect Pizza, gyms, pubs, just knocking every door, um, selling cards, which effectively give you percentages off Pizza Hut or Perfect Pizza, for example. Now, very, very tough commission-based work, um, but it really sort of, taught you the the fundamentals sort of stickativity the law of averages working your numbers i mean you you could walk all day long in the freezing cold and get a sell right at the end of the day and that's stuff that 
you still I still take with me now when I'm on the phones and if I'm calling. Is How long did you do that for? I did that for a couple of years, which Ooh. was a tough graft. Um, tough. And then made made the uh, the transition into an office with a phone, which was fantastic. Um, <laughs> you thought you'd made it then? I right? did, but then still, it was before. Believe it or not, we we used to have the the yellow pages. So I was selling um, I was selling alphanumeric telephone numbers. So 0700 flowers, for example, or mm. you you basically get in the morning, you'd figure out um, all the available numbers, and you'd have to work out which ones you'd sell, and then you'd go to the yellow pages to that section 0700 man and van, and you just call them all up and try to sell them this number. Uh, but, you know it's it, it's it's interesting how much the world has changed yeah. from then till now but yet so many people i speak to even on this podcast are still using the same exact processes to do recruitment that they did back then yeah and that that's that's a big big part of the reason why i, I sort of had to go on my own um because those processes whereas they are core fundamentals what i've seen in the selection of agencies that I've worked in, not all of them, but there is that, well, we've always done something this way. That's why we do it. Um, and that's the way it, shall, it will always be. And, and that never sat right with me. I think the world, the world is definitely changing. Um, I'm finding this more as I'm working on the business, not just in the business. Um, and unless you can um, adapt and evolve, then I, I think we're in trouble. What type of stuff do you do to work on the business uh, okay. instead of in, of in it? I, I know recently you were, you had a picture of uh, of of old Bill Berman. Yeah. So 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 it's it's been a it's been a bit of a, an awakening for me, um, if I, if I'm honest, because if you think about pro data recruitment, we opened this three and a half months ago, right? So this is a this is a new venture, but it's a twelve year um, uh, sort of model, if you like, and it's, it's it's a running start. So I was working in somebody else's business um, three or four months ago, and when you're working in a business as a recruitment consultant, you don't actually appreciate um, what goes on around the business. Okay, mm-hmm. somebody looks after finance, somebody looks after marketing, somebody gives you your CRM systems, somebody tells you what to do, and more importantly, what you can't do, which was always the problem. You have to work in this vertical, you have to work, speak to these people, you have to wear a suit, you have to be at the office at eight o'clock, you have to do late night Tuesdays, all these things that I'm, I'm fundamentally against. Um, so when I actually opened up this business, um, lucky because um, had some people on the on the um, peripheral that were going to bring us business in because they they'd known us for years. I didn't have to worry so much about the new business side of things. I haven't picked up the phone since I've had this business to do a sales call. So you have equity in your name. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. So so typically the way I I do business these days, it's people I've placed or hiring managers I've worked with. I've either placed with them, or if I haven't placed with them, I've I've offered them a very good service and had people at the races, and they've moved on because, especially in digital um, technology, which I work in quite heavily, people do move around a lot. Um, mm. I mean, and they appreciate good service. You know, in in, in Rectorac, they just expect it, and yeah. <laughs> it's it's so different. Yeah, I think everything is changing. Those services are getting better. People, companies, no longer want to work with just the, the the service that's being offered or just their PSL. These big companies, they do fantastic work and they've got some great um, uh, recruiters and they've got some great managers. And there is, I think there's clearly enough 40,000 recruitment agencies in the UK or so LinkedIn told me when they sold me their product. Um, but I, I think um, companies, big companies, they have better internal teams now. So mm. they're, they're more inclined to work with somebody like me um, and smaller teams who can complement and add value rather than come in and try to take over that process. And 
you've had like a thousand recruitment jobs over the years. Quite a lot, yeah. <laughs> and so, they have... so I'm not going to go through them all. No. But I, I wanted to ask you, given that, like what was the point when you went, you know what, I just can't go and work for another person anymore. I know I've got three kids. I know, I know, I'm, I know I'm, I, need to, I need to earn X, but I just have to make the jump to go out my own. Like that, that's it. That must have been something that didn't just come through your head three months ago. You must have had both sides of like the devil and the angel on your shoulder weighing things up like on the last th- two or three moves that you made. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, it was it came about I was working for a company in Watford. Um, they are they look after mainly trades and labor and air, um, uh, sort of aeronautical stuff. Mm. Um, so aerospace, sorry. And. Each month, even though I was doing really well, one of the top billers built up an IT setup for them, product and technology, which is still running now. They're still doing pretty well. I think they've got six or seven people in that department. But then at the end of every month, I was just breaking even. And with living in St. Albans, it's not cheap. Um, with three kids, my girlfriend, um, she has the hardest job in the world. She looks after the kids. Um, and it is a full-time job. I mean, listen, when I do it for a day... Um, uh, I, listen, you don't, yeah, you don't even have to tell me. Absolutely. So, so it came to that point where it was, it was, what do I do to, to improve our quality of life? Now it's about just being able to do stuff together as a family and not being stressed about work and, and going in and sort of other situations, stressing you out. So I got the opportunity to um, start up a contracts technology business for a company, Potter's Bar. So again, local, right? Um, now the idea was they were an executive search. They didn't do any contract. Um, but they used to get in at 9.30, finish at 6.30. They didn't have a CRM system. Everything was via LinkedIn, very slow process. Work with some massive companies, so Oracle being one of them, a lot of the big consultancies. And they said, look, come in and do contracts for us. So I said, no problem at all. So I came in and did that. I built it up. And within nine months, I'd repaid the investment um, into me. So my salary and all the systems I had to use and the sort of the, the whining, the dining, and the business development. Um, and we were profitable when we were standalone. I saw at that time that the people that were there, fantastic people, but they weren't necessarily the people that I wanted to continue the journey with. Um, so, I mean, having having control became more important and um, there wasn't that. So that's the point where I sort of decided, well, something has to ha- something has to give. But you have the same constraints. You have a salary, you have a company car, you have bills coming in and Unless I had that that investment, um, which would obviously dilute my control, I just could never see it happening. So October this year, I decided to put all of my my, my savings back myself and say, okay, I've got enough money to to maybe run this business for three months. Let's put all of that in there. Let's get the systems. Let's get an office. Let's do things the way I want to do them. Um, And I went to an accountant who's a friend from school. I said to him, here's my business plan. I'd like you to be my accountant. Within a couple of hours... He came back to me and he said, look, great business plan, but why don't I be your partner? Now, the key thing here is he's not a recruitment guy. He's yeah. a finance guy and he's a business guy. And he's somebody that I've known since school. We play cricket together um, and somebody that I trust implicitly. So we then had double the funds and double the potential to sort of run it for six months. Mm. Um, but it's gone phenomenally well after three ba- months. Ballpark, with... right? What, what, was the fo- what was the funds that you put in to start off? We're looking at about 40 grand. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so you can do it on, on, you don't have to spend a huge amount of money. You just have to back yourself to be able to get up to speed very quickly. Okay. So let's, let's walk. Th- you obviously knew the marketplace, knew the clients, had the vertical. 
had a lot of stuff that some people almost have to invent or take a risk on from day one. Everything made that a little easier for you. Yep. Um, but you also had the cost of running a household, so you have to get that up. You have to also get things up pretty quick. So in that forty grand, break break down what the type of spend was. Like how much of that went on software, um, office space. Um, I'm, I'm guessing that you took the lowest amount of uh, wages possible to be under the tax threshold. Right. So I, I actually. The, the model that you're the, the, the main barrier that most people have is um, they think, look, if I go into a business and this is the way it's always been described to me, if I start up a recruitment business or any business, I'm not going to be able to pay myself for a year or I'm going to have to take a very small salary. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I, I couldn't do. So my house costs and my household costs what it costs to run. So so that's covered in, in my salary. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously my my business partner being a, a, a running an accountancy firm. And um, he looks after all of that. So um, we, we meet once a week. We talk about pipeline on every Monday and every Friday we look at what's in and what's out. Um, the office costs is relatively small. So I have a friend who has a commercial building in St. Albans and he's given me um, a, a sort of an office space on mates rates, um, which I um, renovated myself, a job that would have taken a professional a couple of days, took me two weeks. <laughs> but, it, but it's good sitting here now looking at it, knowing that it was, it was me that brought it up to up to up to speed um and you then should have videoed that I, I i have actually got pictures which i'll share i'll share with you but as long as you don't share them on the podcast that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah so we've got that um we've got um monthly costs with expenses um so i get to see my clients and my candidates and people that i've placed previously because i think this is the real key thing um recruitment has become or always has been incredibly transactional um i called a guy um, last week who didn't get the job via myself he was a candidate high level guy and he's accepted a job at another company and I said Look, let's meet up for a coffee and he said Look, I haven't got anything for you at the minute I said that's not the point I said let's just grab a coffee everybody loves coffee and that's the sort of relationships that I have because they'll pay off eight months 12 months 18 months down the line it's a it's a very Australian way to do recruitment they uh you don't get anything without three coffees yeah, absolutely. And I've worked a lot of agencies before and every time I wanted to go out, they said, look, this guy hasn't given us anything for three months. Don't buy him a burger. And for me, that's just very, very short sighted. Um, mm. I think you have to build relationships with people, not see um, them as clients or necessarily candidates, because that's why I don't have to pick up the phone and necessarily do sales calls anymore. Yeah. It's because I can call these people and they say, Adam, do you know what? We need something or this guy needs something. Can you find it for us? How... Uh... Talk to me about the, the, the technology side of what, of what you decided to use. You were at the expo recently. I was, um, and it's something I usually avoid um, massively, but now I'm looking at things. You're a buyer. Day. Yeah, I'm a buyer now, and I want it to be sold to. And I, I'll, I'll tell you what, I was sold to really well, and um, I, I didn't buy anything, so I can't, mm. can't have been sold to that well. But I was, I was actually impressed. Um, I, I jotted down a couple, of, um, a couple of places. I mean, um, you had all the CRM systems, right? So we, we, use, we use Bullhorn. Right. So it's, it's easy. Um, Good luck I, if you ever want to try and get your data. out of it. Well, I've, I've heard all these things, right, sort of out from, from the other CRM providers. That's, That's true. Right. Yeah. And um, I mean, at, at the minute where we are, we're going in, I'm going in fresh, which is a good thing to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So I haven't got 10, 20, 30, 40,000 records. OK, I've got records that I'm now putting in of really good quality people that I'm speaking to on a daily basis and, and, and 
people that I'm filling roles with or that I will fill roles with in the future. Um, but technology such as video technology, right? So I'm, I'm, I've, this is the first podcast I've actually taken part in. Um, I've listened to another one of your podcasts when you ask the guy what he's listening to. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I've listened to Joe Rogan, which everybody does, or the majority. Um, and I've probably listened to more than yours than anything. So before this, this venture, I was a bit of a Luddite, if, I, if I'm honest. But now I'm sort of opening my eyes. So I thought, Do you know what? I'll be open-minded. Sell to me. So all the video guys came around. Interview were pretty good from a sales point of view. Um, but I think it depends on what your proposition is. I'm not going to... Um, I don't think IT guys want to be on a want to be on video no uh, and i think given my when i'd only did it for four years but it it depends because i because i because i do it in in the broadest sense yeah. specializing in products and data that's that's where i can sit down with people and if you've got a requirement i'll probably pull somebody out of my uh, out my phone and call them there and then that's great but i do a lot of other stuff as well so i do look after a consultancy and work with them pretty much exclusively for their banking clients um and Quite a lot of it, you can have fantastic CVs, but quite a lot of it does come down to communications and how they come across. So if I'm doing an MSP um, uh, uh, piece for them, then that's mm. the sort of value I'd add. I'd ask if they wanted that because a video with a CV going to a consultancy um, could help them get through that process a lot quicker. Yeah, and, and, and I suppose I'm seeing the world in that space through four years ago. Yeah. Um, so, so it's it's interesting. Five years ago, it's interesting to hear that. Um, I can imagine that like video will be massive. You know, I see that I see Audro and Interview battling it out quite a lot. Um, I I wonder though, could you not just use Skype Recorder and do it that way? You you could absolutely, but I think what it is, it's more of a proposition from one because I've looked into it now. I've actually got a okay. call this afternoon um we're to, to have a full demo but if we if we just set up a skype call between um myself or the, the hiring manager and the candidate that's effectively an interview right mm. um if you with with these these this video technology it would be maybe five important questions five reasons people fail at interview what are they great because they don't do this this and this okay fantastic so i'll go and speak to the candidate i'll say look jump on video here's the questions just like we are but with video we'll ask them and how they respond will hopefully um, avoid them failing on those points that are the most commonly failed on points if that makes sense hmm. um so it's streamlining the process as i said i'm not fully bought into it as yet but i'm starting to open my eyes to technology um I think yeah it's important i always get a little bit confused by by both their message to be honest like a lot of them like they, they go around to events and they 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 they, they they always want to talk about retained recruitment. Yep, and and that seems to be their thing, and I I think maybe they're trying to say that it, their technology gives you a better chance at selling retained, and thus you should go for that. I I, I don't know. I I, I kind of get they're going away from the feature benefits and trying to go into your process. So I I get a little confused by what they're up to on on that from a a sales and marketing perspective. Yeah, and it's, 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 it's interesting you, you mentioned the retained model because you and I are in the, quite a lot of the same groups. In fact, I think I was introduced to you via a comment I put on one of your posts. Um, and the retained model um, is really being pushed heavily on, on LinkedIn. Now, now, I get it, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. What, one of my clients said to me, the thing I like about you, Adam, is that you don't claim to be anything you're not, right? So, so pro data recruitment, we offer a, 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 a really good um, experience contingency recruitment service 
right now for 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 a lot of clients that's exactly what they want and some of the clients we work with are huge so we wouldn't necessarily they wouldn't be inclined or we wouldn't want to sell them um managed service provider or retain services um so we're sort of concentrating on really what we're good on mm. good at so on linkedin there's quite a lot of um rubbishing of other people's models and i, I find that a little bit difficult to sometimes take because if somebody wants retained, great, go and sell them retained. If somebody wants a managed service provider, more power to you. If, yeah. if, if my clients want a really good contingency service to complement their teams, I can still get to know managers well. I can still take a brief. I still get FaceTime. Um, I know not all contingency services are like that, but that's what we're doing. Yeah, and here's the thing about retained. I've sat next. I've sat next to. Um, I've sat next to fully retained or exec search as they call themselves. And they were doing exactly the same thing as me, only with more window dressing and a longer process. Now, where I think recruitment and retained recruitment specifically is heading is when I speak to Steve Lodes from who has Recruiter Fuel. I was on his show there um, and I had another guest on called James Baker. And what, what both of them are doing is... They're using data to predict fit and to predict fit, get them into the business and find fit and retain was basically the, the, the model that they did. Um, both, both, both at different levels. James is only starting out like a few years and, and it's pretty impressive. Steve is one of the biggest exec search guys in, in, in the US. And, I think if you can go to a client with a proposition and say, we're fully retained, I'll, I'll use technology to find the person, we'll prove that they're the right fit, and then whenever we place them, we'll give you a 12-month guarantee and we'll make sure that they're on track throughout that. And I think those guys that are trying to do that, that's a solution that I buy that's different to contingent. Yeah. But when it's just the... Uh, you know, you need to use sales trickery to get a retainer up front. I'm not so much buying that. See, see that 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 would my my personality sort of the 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 slower burn and the sort of high level executive search from what I've seen um, from the companies I've worked for. Um, it just isn't it isn't me. I'm I'm much more okay. I'm, I get excited by hot jobs, pain points, going out and finding the people and turning it around real quick. Um, I mean, we're talking about a couple of weeks lead time. It should be. Um, with the contracts I've got at the moment, we can turn them around in a couple of days. And for that, that that's what keeps me going. The mm. sort of slower process, because there are companies I've worked with previously, they, they almost talent pipeline people from a, and it, I know that's a, a quite a well-used term on social media at the moment, but they probably mean it slightly differently. They'll go out there, find out who's there, interview them with no intention of hiring them for another six months or so, just so they can have that, that data that they don't have in the UK. And for me, uh, that's really frustrating. For candidates, well, it's not the service I want to provide. Yeah, so I, I had Adam Gordon on last week and his technology, they would have been at the expo as well. Yeah, I listened to Can, it, actually. Did you? Oh, great. And uh, his whole thing is you is that the software does all that in the background. So you're not wasting anybody's time. You know exactly who's going to buy and when. And I just think that all that stuff is going to cut all the bullshit out of uh, out of recruitment and out of the process over the next few years, because you know it, it, 
it's not sales it's it's based on fact yeah you know and and one of the one of the interesting things is i was speaking to um, somebody last week about the value of a recruitment company and it's changing right so six months ago i had advice that you need to have 20 people you need to mm. split it contract and permanent you need to be in verticals which has been the model for 10 15 20 years whatever um with all of these this technology um i'm meeting a guy um called ben kaminsky um, in a couple of weeks, I met him at the expo actually, and he he stood in front of me and didn't let me buy. So, so that's a great way to get me to come to your stall. But it, it is effectively AI recruitment technology, um, and I'm going to go and have a look at his platform. I'm going to talk to him. He actually needed some data science science people as well. Probably just throwing that out there. He's going to get bombarded now. Um, but um, his product was really good, and for me, I think having a much more lean workforce, not having to companies don't necessarily need to have this big wage bill if you look at traditional agencies if they've got 20 or 30 people you've typically got five people that are making all the money the rest of them they're, they're, they're figuring out whether they they're going to work out or the the agency only wants to say i've got 30 people hmm. i don't think that's the proposition for the future i think having ai recruitment technology um using technology properly and what we do is we actually use freelancers i'm not sure if um you have many other agency owners that do that. But rather than having somebody sit here day in, day out, I've got people I've worked with, recruiters, really good recruiters over the years, who work some of my roles for me. Obviously, it all comes back to me. And we pay them a, a decent fee based on the value of the actual placement. So I think there's there's lots of changes going on in recruitment. Hopefully, um, we're on the right track. Yeah, I, I'm going to jump into that with you. Yeah. Um, so you sit down with uh, your mate who is an accountant and obviously a bright lad um, sees an opportunity, but does he say to you, like, Adam, what do you, what do you want to build here? Like, do you, do you want to just have a wee lifestyle business that we can take a cut on or yeah. are you going to scale it out? Um, what, what was the initial plan and has that changed since you've opened your, your mind up a little bit to what's going on out there with technology and, and, and listening to talks and, and stuff like that. Yeah, so so it changed instantly because my initial plan was I've got this money. It's it's all I've got. Now's the time to do it. Um, just before Christmas, really risky time to, to not have a salary. Um, and um, what I'm going to do is just I'm going to build up slowly and I'm going to scale up maybe over the next couple of years. And when the money's there, I'll, I'll invest in these things. I, I won't have a website, right? People don't check out your website typically. My clients know me. Um, so I'll, I'll build that in six months. When he came on board, he's, I think he'd be, he'd be angry if I called him an accountant. He's actually a businessman who runs an accountancy business. I think he's got 25 people um, looking after that side of the business. He does quite a lot of investments and works with some really, really sharp people, hedge yeah. funds, um, big, big manufacturing companies. He said, look, great. Well, listen, why don't we just do it right from the outset? Um, why don't we build the website? Why don't we get the technology you need? So I've got LinkedIn Recruiter. I know not everybody loves it. There's a lot of... Um, posts about growth hacking at the moment um, and how you can get a, get around spending money. But listen, let's spend the money. Let's get the tools we need. I've got the clients. The thing, the shift happened. I need the candidates. So the model with regards um, what we're doing and where we're going in the strategy um, is, is constantly changing. And I think that you need to have that mentality if you're working in these current times. You can't be mm. rigid. You've got to be able to flip-flop. I'm working with a really uh, broad um, section of, of industries. So we do um, sort of finance, um, we do manufacturing, tier one internet companies, advertising technology. I think I have to be able to offer 
the best service and the most options to my candidates. And then that will naturally spread out. So um, growth with the company is going to be organic. Um, so I want to get more people in. I want to be, I've got people I've got in mind, but the business needs to pay for it. And I think that's the important thing. Yeah. And do, do you see yourself, like some of the best businesses I've, I've interviewed, like I had Joe Mullings on here. If you haven't listened to that one, he's worth checking out. Um, like he makes 9 million a year, a search firm of 20 people. That's, that's unbelievable. Like, like S3 or, or Walters or whatever, they'd probably make like one placement a person. Yeah. Whereas his is like three and it's multiplied out. No, so, so is that a month, is it? One placement a person a month or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, big, the, the, the big agencies now. Um, because they're carrying so much dead weight. Yeah. Um, it, it's, and like when we started, it was easier because there was less competition. There was less people jumping in. Now that doesn't mean that they're not making loads of money. They're all posting record record sales but that's just because their their costs are so high as well yeah, what's what's the actual bottom line on that that's what i'd be interested to see because um with all of those costs and also you have to manage those people and it for, for me it's i'm that that's fantastic and great and i see companies with 60 70 people fantastic offices wonderful culture but that's not really why i'm in it um, yeah. to be fair it might it might evolve into that um, and I have got um, ideas, but I want the right people. I want, to, I want, there's quite a lot of friends I've made, as you'd imagine, over um, 10 or 12 years in recruitment. And um, there's some really good people that I'd love to, once this model is proven, which we're, which after three months, we're, we're, we're covering ourselves, which is great. And the, the, the ambition I have for this year, which I'll definitely hit, um, will be realized. Then what I'd like to do is create some pro date franchises. Um, so, but you have to find the right people. So then invest my money into people that I believe in based on the model I have, but not dictate to them. Say to them, look, great, here's 70K. That's what it's going to cost for the first six months. Um, we'll have 70%. You can have 30%. Um, oh, you mean like, you a, so like SSR do? But the only difference is in, in that, um, this, is the, this is the key differentiator, I, I believe. Um, they don't give you a salary. And that's the biggest blocker for, as, as far as I know anyway. But that's yeah, the biggest... ha- Hamilton Bradshaw do though. I think that's really important because you can have some fantastic people who yeah. will, would never make that transition into running their own agency, enjoying the quality of life, but also really loving what they do because they are shackled to their commission um, and they're shackled to the other companies and the way of working in that fear. If I've got a model I've proven and a good story I can tell, um, then these people, if I know them as well and they can see what I'm doing and, and chances are they would have worked with me as a, as a freelancer, I would have given them a few jobs to work, then they can make that transition. But It'll be a case of, look, what do you need to be a success? What do you believe in? This is what we've done. What support do you need? Let's speak in a month or we can speak in a day. It's down to you. So when they've paid back their, the, the investment, then we'll, we'll switch up, up the uh, um, percentages in their favour. So I think yeah. it's a good model. Yeah, you have to really nail proof of concept and then make sure it doesn't interfere with your existing business and platform. You know, Absolutely. It's... But it's, it's people that you, you know and you trust and become your friends rather than yeah. just, hey, that guy looks good. Let's get him because that's risky. So, I mean, uh, as I said, you, you make friends and enemies over the years in recruitment for sure. Uh, <laughs> did, did you explore the Hamilton Bradshaw, Hamilton Bradshaw route? I didn't, to be honest with you. Um, I thought that I was going to be the last um, place I was working as an employee. I was down there to approve a concept down in London. This was just before I made the this sort of change to ProData. And the idea was come and show us what you can do. You've done it previously. Um, 
build up your money. I'm an investor in people. And once you've got your money, we'll transfer all of your contractors across to a new entity. We'll give you 30%, Adam. We'll have 70%. You'll open it. St. Albans office is great. But when I actually went down to London, I realised I didn't like going to London anymore. I thought it was pretty pointless getting up at five in the morning, travelling in, um, working, wearing a suit when you didn't have meetings. Um, having break your, rules. break your heart that. Though. Well, absolutely. There's little rules, like, for example, you're not allowed to drink um, during work. Now, let me explain that. <laughs> what I mean is if you go for lunch with a client or a candidate, I, I classically mirror them. So I say, look, what are you having to drink? I'm having a Diet Coke. That's what I'll have. But if a candidate I've placed wants a beer, it's at lunch, it's one beer. I want to be able to do that. But I was told I categorically couldn't. And those types of things started to bother me about going into London, working for somebody else. Um, and so, yeah, so coming out the other side, I decided I didn't really want to be in business with that person. So yeah. now it's, it's, it's completely me. And the reason it works is I look after everything recruitment and operational. That's my responsibility. And my business partner looks after everything finance and tells me to stop spending money. No, that's good. Um, has he created a model where when you hit a certain point, you'll get your first on-site hire? Uh, well, we already have that. So, um, yeah, so, so I have uh, somebody working with me as a resourcer. Um, he's somebody I've known for, for many years. He comes from outside of recruitment, actually. Um, and I think that's, that's something that's becoming more interesting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we, what we do is we review things on a, on a, a need on a needs basis, right? Mm. So at the moment, I can just about cover everything I've got. I'm, I'm actually working, as I said, I've got a friend who was recruitment 10 years. Um, she used to work for me at another agency in London. Um, she's godmother to my second child, Callum, to get that right. Um, <laughs> and she's taken a bit of a break, right? So, so she said, look, 10 years in recruitment, I'm taking a break. But now she's getting itchy fingers, right? So I said to her, look, I've got these contracts. They're the easy ones, right? Here's, here's my login details for all the job boards and all the details. You go and cover those for me. It'll take you a day or two maximum because there's quite a lot of contracts. And it, it, it leaves me to work harder perm stuff with clients I'm trying to win as opposed to clients I already have exclusive, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's not the agency model, typically. What they'll do is they'll get people to work the, the harder roles. I'll see if it works out for them. Yeah. And typically, they get disillusioned and leave. Yeah, it's more of, a, it's more of an Americanized way. They're, uh, I think the Americans are... are they're not as good at scaling perm focused recruitment firms like the UK model, but they are very good at figuring out ways to do split placements, to getting freelancers on board um, and to making money out of areas that they're not involved in. Yep. There's an organization called the NPA, okay, which is a global split placement network. So you could log on there. I, I, I haven't uh, done it, but uh, I probably will if I, do ever jump into IT again? Um, you log in anyway, and you pay a membership fee. It's pretty. It's it's, it's very manageable, and you can work jobs anywhere in the world for people. Okay. So so yeah, that's and and and, and the, the, you can also post jobs and have freelancers work on it. Now you give them a fifty percent split on the fee, and then that's that. There's a few okay. groups online that do that as well. Yeah, I'll check but, that out because even yeah. if I don't subscribe myself, um, it's good to know what other people are doing you've, you've constantly got to have your eyes open um to, to what's going on out there and you know you could even if you pick up a little something from each part then it improves what you're doing and uh, you uh i i know you've, you've you've tried to focus a little bit on content recently yeah what uh explain to me your thoughts on that 
Well, subconsciously, I've, I've, I think I've always seen it as something that's important. But because I've been so focused on being a recruiter, billing, making my money, um, it's just not something you can. If you're if you're in business twelve hours a day in somebody else's business, you've got pressures, you've got other people around you, you can't really do the stuff that you know that's right because you have to focus on what you have to do to bring the money in. Um, so I wrote a few posts over the over the years, and um, they were they were more a case of. Um, sort of spur of the moment if something hit me and, and I'm not terrible at writing then I'd, I'd write something but a good graphic make sure that it had a, a finish and an end a top and the tails and post it out there and I sort of started doing that a few years ago it, it was a it was it was it was a light bulb moment when I, when I really started believing in content and when I when I started pro data um, one of the key things was um, I enjoy doing that side of things I started connecting with people um, and reading their content and, and starting to get a, an idea of how it works. I'm still learning, right? So as, as this is the first podcast that I've been involved in. But I think if you put content out there, and one of the things that Bill said that, that sort of really resonated with me is that it, it, if, it, if, it's not, if it's not great, it, it doesn't necessarily matter as long as it has a point. Um, and I think there's certain rules of engagement that I try not to break, try. Um, what are they? Well, just adding to the conversation. Um, if you, it's fine to disagree with somebody, but you have to do it in a constructive way. Try, yeah. try, try not to rubbish anybody because every, everybody has their um, has their own opinion, and they have. Don't, they don't be Gary Goldsmith. Well, it's funny to say that. So yeah, yeah, I think we're both blocked by him, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so so that is exactly right. And I think it's look, I I have to. I I sort of met met the guy once, and you know, it is what it is. But yeah, so try to if you're going to put yourself out there, you've got to be ready to have shots fired. Right. Mm. And if you're if you're putting out there stuff you really believe in and stuff that isn't just shared, isn't just recycled. So I try not to recycle anything. Um, I write my posts and um, if somebody wants to comment on them, fantastic, because that's engagement. Um, and, and you should never block anybody unless they're they're really unless it's detrimental to your business and your brand. So this whole branding thing is, is becoming much more important for me. And, and it's exciting. I can do the recruitment side. I understand it. We're always learning. But this is a new, a new sort of outlet, outlet for me. So I'm really enjoying doing it. Yeah, it's, it's funny. You know, you, you have to make sure that the content thing doesn't take over. <laughs> like yeah. yeah. I don't know how much time I spend recruiting versus doing content now. So it's a... Uh, it's probably moving me even more towards the coaching well, piece. Funnily enough, I've just got an email from one of my clients asking where the candidates are. I'm not going to tell him that I'm on a, I'm on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I said they're on their way. Yeah, it, no, it's it's de- it's definitely get it's definitely getting harder. Um, so if we catch up in two years' time, what 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 will have changed in your business? Where will you be? That's a great question. I'm glad you didn't say five years because that's the that's the old fashioned. Who knows? Uh, who knows? Well, exactly. Five years. Five, who knows? Five years in our game, right? So where I am now, where I'm sitting now, where I'm thinking about it, without anything pre-prepared, um, in five, in two years' time, um, I'd like to be working on other pro data, or whether it's fintech, or whether it's accountancy. Obviously, my business partner being a finance guy, um, the model and the processes is the same. And I'd like to be working on other people's businesses. I'd like to have handed this off to somebody I know. I've got somebody in mind. Have an office in St. Albans. Um, the amount of people is irrelevant, but what I see is probably eight to ten really good people um, enjoying a different way of working. Um, I don't think the the sort of eight till six and late nights. I'm 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 not for that. Um, there's there's some stuff that I'd like to do, uh, but you have to have the right people in the business. Ten till three working hours. 
but you have to have people work, working always on to, for that to work. So, so I guess in, in two years' time to be working, to have at least two more pro data franchises and helping to build them out would be a really happy and comfortable spot. Mm, great. And you've done a tremendous amount of learning in the past year. Like it, it, it sounds like you've had a real penny drop kind of moment with, with running your own business. All of a sudden, the whole world has kind of opened up to you in terms of what's out there and who you can learn. Um, you've mentioned that you've been listening to this podcast. Who, who else are you following out there to get your information from? Are you are you in Facebook groups or? or... So, so 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 I try to stay away from from it on Facebook. Um, I mean, the majority of my social media um, at the moment is is LinkedIn. I'm I'm, pr- I'm pretty much on that. Um, obviously, um, Hung Lee, everybody follows him. Um, but I, but I'll be honest with you, up until about three months ago. Um, I mean, Mitch Sullivan, there, there's people that are standard that you just follow, right? Um, but up to about three months ago, that's when the light bulb went on. I was much more a case of, look, I'm working in somebody else's. Well, it's been over about a year, but I'm working in somebody else's business. I know what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm a Luddite. I'm not going to change. But you are right. It has since I've sort of started to have the, the idea and, and definitely since I've opened Pro Data, I've started to connect and I've started to follow and I've started to look at what other people are doing. Um, so... I'm still quite of the of the of the mindset that I'm going to do things because I believe in it, um, but I'm much more open to hearing other people's opinions than I used to be. Well, Adam, you've been a fantastic guest. You should really consider having your own podcast for uh, for your own niche. Is that something that you'd ever look at? Oh, definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm as I said, I'm, I'm open to ideas. Let's see how this one um, is is received, and we'll go from there. But it's very much like the boxing. So if we top and tails this conversation, right? <laughs> um, you'll, 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 you'll be, you'll be really nervous. And I was a little bit apprehensive, but once you get in there, once you get in the ring and it's you and I face to face, then, then it, then it's good. And, it, and I really enjoyed it. So thank you for inviting me. Thanks Adam. Talk all, soon. All the best. Well, massive thank you to Adam for coming on the podcast. Really excited that people like him are tuning in every week to educate themselves on things that they can do to improve their business. It's really where we wanted to be with this podcast. And I'm just really appreciative that he was so well prepared and answered everything so crisply and just just a great guest. And I predict he will be a massive success in the future. So, um, yeah, great podcast, great guest. Thanks so much, Adam. And Thank you to everybody who's listening. We will be at 50,000 downloads by, I would say, the next 10 days. Currently sitting at 48,000. I know that means nothing to you guys, but when you're running a podcast, you kind of keep an eye on these things just to make sure that it's going in the right way. Getting excited for our New York trip. Wednesday week, we're heading out there. Um, Hired a videographer, so I have to learn how to do that side of things, which is kind of exciting. So... Anyway, that's it for today and we'll be back tomorrow with another amazing guest. Take care. Happy hunting.